that talked about U.S. biolabs in Indonesia, where they're doing experiments on Indonesian citizens, uh, taking their blood, using it for biological warfare experimentation. So what we're hearing about Ukraine, where the U.S. had up to 30 biological warfare labs in Ukraine, they were doing experiments to uh, create a Slavic disease, essentially, uh, that they would uh, then aerosolize using birds and other technologies uh, to send into Russia. It's quite an embarrassment to the United States, and they say there's much more information yet to be released. So uh, I'm sure a lot of this is going to come out during the war crimes trials that Russia will be uh, holding uh, once this whole thing uh, is resolved. Carbon-60, or C-60, first gained notoriety back in 2012 from a study that increased the lifespan of rats by a whopping 90%. Since that breakthrough study, scientists have conducted thousands of studies showing C-60 not only has a very real potential exciting lifespan, but it also has been shown to be better than any other substance ever studied to reduce inflammation, eliminate free radicals, provide powerful antioxidants, and more. After the famous rat study, scientists at Live Longer Labs realized a human, not industrial, formula needed to be made. That's when they set out to be the first lab in the world to focus on what is best for human consumption of C60. This led Live Longer Labs to pioneer a high-quality, 99.9% .9 pure C60 refined without solvents in oils that work best for humans, and that is black seed oil. Look it up yourself. Black seed oil has been known as a universal healer for millennia, and more modern studies confirmed its benefits as a potent antioxidant and for anti-inflammation. Simply, it's not like other oils. It's better. To try this amazing product, go to sarahwestall.com under shop. Remember, members of Ebeneer save 10%, and all listeners can save 5% using the coupon found at sarahwestall.com under shop. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Bruce Gagnon coming back to the program. He is a peace activist and he is so knowledgeable on the weapons that the United States has. He's been a peace activist since the Vietnam War. He was He's a veteran. And so he's a, very active in the organization Veterans for Peace. I think so many veterans want peace because they know what the realities of war really are. But he is the nemesis of the military-industrial complex, and I'm not kidding. He has been censored more than anyone. I mean, before censorship was mass going on, he was really censored. And they just, you know, of course, they don't want level-headed, smart people getting their message out. And he is so educated on what is really going on, what weapons they have. He's the one that taught me back a few years ago, the advanced weaponry that the United States and the world has in space and how they are the globalists. It's really a global phenomenon. It's They're using the United States as their front, but they don't give a crap about the American people. It's more just they want our resources. And then they're just using, you know, we're just happen to be there. 
but they want to totally dominate space. They want to go around all the sovereignty of nations. They just want to control everything. And the United States is the vehicle for doing it because we had a lot of resources and ability for them to use. Now they don't care and want to take us down. They want to take the people down and break us like they break horses so that they can have world domination. They can't have us thinking like we're free and we have power. No, no, no. They need us to be like everyone else who is subjugated to a ruling class. And that's why they keep pointing to China and the behaviors of the Chinese because they like the fact that they're subservient. And that's why Klaus Schwab put it in their book. But when you hear the horrors of what these people are doing, these are weird occultists. They do not think like normal people. We have no idea what they are capable of doing in the sense that we know what their technology is capable of doing. We don't know what their mind and their actions are capable of doing because there isn't rational thought here. And what will happen when they're backed against the wall? Will they come out fighting with everything? If you can't have it, or if I can't have it, you can't have it either kind of attitude. I get all the power or no one gets all the power or this weird cult thing where everybody dies so Lucifer can come in and take his place. I I don't know, but we're dealing with some wackos and we really do need to assert our authority while we still can. And I've been doing the WHO updates on a regular basis because that is the most important thing going on, right? That and the threat of nuclear war. But these WHO updates, these things go through and we lose our sovereignty right now. I can't stress how important this is. That's why I've been putting it on every show, talking about these WHO updates. I've been writing articles. I've been paying attention to it. I'm going to have James Roguski on right after this whole thing is done so that we can do a recap on everything that's going on and then how we can refocus and still really keep this from happening. This is, this is happening. This is, they're in operation right now and they're doing it to take over world domination. This will be a major nail in our coffin if this goes through. We cannot let these amendments go through so that what you can do so you don't feel like you're paralyzed, feeling like a, like a victim, talk to your legislatures. They didn't even know most of them. Maybe they did, but they're so they don't know what's going on unless you tell them because they're so busy with their power trip or their fancy meetings and whatever they're doing. There are some good ones in there trying to do good work, but so many of them are just lost in their own fantasy world of how important they are. And until you tell them this is what we need you to focus on, they don't do it. So you need to, in mass, tell them what we expect of them. And when we rise up as a group, they listen. They don't listen, even if the majority believes in something, they don't listen until we're very loud and we tell them it's this or else. Then they start listening. We gotta do it peacefully, but we gotta do it very forcefully. So you can go to my website, you can see all the WHO articles, you can go to James Roguski's substack, and I have the links to everything. Uh, Children's Health Defense has just put out a new video on Stop the Treaty, which summarizes everything. So glad. I mean, the more people that are involved, Steve Bannon um, has been covering this. It's coming from everywhere. This is so clear. This is not a left-right paradigm. We really have to unite when it comes to this threat, this serious of an action. We have to unite as one people. 
and drop all these political labels. It's really us against them. And anybody who's against us is with them. And it's, it really is that serious. And it's not a left, right. It's our basic freedoms. And everyone should in the world should be fighting for this. So now that I'm off my regular soapbox on how important this is, I want to remind you to go to my website and sign up for my newsletter, sarahwestell.com. Sign up, support my affiliates while you're there. That's how I keep my show going. I also want to highly recommend Bruce Gagnon's regular blog spot. He just does amazing work, things that you're not ever going to find in the mainstream media, which you don't find anything that I cover in the mainstream media either. Although OAN is doing a great job on their special investigations. I'm just, I'm continually impressed with their work because it's so backed with facts and research, yet they're not afraid to go where, where you need to go. I mean, we're in a big fight and you can't be afraid to cover this stuff. If you're afraid to cover this stuff, we lose and we lose bad and our kids suffer for the rest of their lives. And we we have to do it now. So anyways, let's get into this important discussion with Bruce Gagnon. Hi, Bruce. It's been a long time. Welcome back to the program. Thank you very much for having me. Well, I have, and I've told you this already a couple of times, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. Uh, you taught me a lot back in the day about the technology that we have from a warfare standpoint. but you also uh, taught me through an article about the bioweapons that we have all over the world, 24 different bio labs. You had a graphic, I'll pop it up right here, showing just how many labs the Pentagon is funding all around the world and then how that ties into Ukraine. What, where do you think, I mean, how much of a danger is this? I think it's a huge danger. <clears throat> I just saw an article this morning that talked about U.S. biolabs in Indonesia, where they're doing experiments on Indonesian citizens, uh, taking their blood, using it for biological warfare experimentation. So, you know, this it's a big story. Uh, U.S. is doing this very secretly in conjunction with the big pharma. Uh, as you create these biological weapons, which I believe COVID was a biological weapon, yep. uh, then uh, then you have to come up with the, the jabs to deal with it. And guess what? Um, a lot of money to be made there. So, you know, it's a, but it's also uh, becomes a weapon against your enemies, your so-called enemies. And so what we're hearing about Ukraine, where U.S. had up to 30 biological warfare labs in Ukraine. They were doing experiments to uh, create a Slavic disease, essentially, uh, that they would uh, then aerosolize using birds and other technologies uh, to send into Russia uh, to, uh, you know, create all kinds of uh, disease in, inside of Russia. So, uh, and I'm sure they're doing the same thing with this Indonesian lab and other labs surrounding China. So the U.S. is completely surrounded, both Russia and China, with these biological warfare labs. And they know it, don't they? Of course they do. Absolutely they know it. And Ru Russia's been releasing all kinds of documentation uh, that they've captured 
during this war that's going on right now. And they've been they've taken it to the UN, the Security Council. The US, of course, denies everything as you would expect they would. Uh, but uh, it's quite an embarrassment to the United States. And they say there's much more information yet to be released. So uh, and I, I'm sure a lot of this is going to come out during the war crimes trials that Russia will be uh, holding uh, once this whole thing uh, is resolved. Well, it's good that they're going after the United States in that way. I feel that the United States has been infiltrated because the vast majority of the people in the U.S. do not approve of this behavior and don't know about it. So yeah. it's yeah, it's a secretive stuff, and that the you Americans are would be appalled if they actually knew what was going on. Now, do other people around the world? Indonesia now, of course, is is learning what's going on. But is it almost common knowledge in some of these countries that they're being experimented on? Uh, I I don't really know. <clears throat> I would imagine that it's not a well known story, uh, particularly because the. Uh, mainstream media, the corporate-owned media around the world, isn't going to really share that with most people. Uh, so I think uh, it's one of those dribs and drabs. The story gets out a little bit at a time, uh, largely through alternative media. Uh, but uh, but but I think there's less illusions in other parts of the world uh, outside of the West, U.S. and Europe. Um, so I think in places like Indonesia, it won't take much to convince people that they are being used uh, by the U.S. and its allies. Uh, so uh, I, I think uh, it, it very likely the story, once it does emerge, will sweep faster through those countries than it does in the United States or in Europe. Well, and I think people here will, will have cognitive dissonance and don't want to believe it. But where are we at in Ukraine? Because the Russians are finding all this. They're trying to expose it to the world. And people are talking about a very real threat of nuclear war. Now, you being an expert in the weaponry and things, is that really a high threat? Or is Russia capable of containing and guarding, you know, not allowing it to go to that level? I don't trust our own people. But can... Is Russia more reserved? Well, I don't think Russia wants a nuclear war, uh, but they've said over and over again that they don't trust the West. They don't trust, especially the United States, the only country that has ever used nuclear weapons, by the way, in Hiroshima and Nagasaki at the end of World War II, when the Japanese were clearly already defeated, they used the nuclear weapons as an experiment. They wanted a human experiment. And I, I have a friend who was in the army during that time, and he was one of the first uh, people to enter Nagasaki. And uh, he told stories about how the Red Cross was not allowed in, that the US was uh, taking body parts uh, of both dead and alive people who had been uh, yeah, obviously uh, severely injured from the nuclear blasts. And they took those body parts and dead bodies back to the United States for experimentation. So it's very clear that US has kind of 
nerve, if I could put it that way, to use nuclear weapons when they get in a, in a situation where they feel like they're losing. Uh, the U.S. is really right now uh, a declining empire, a collapsing empire, both at home and abroad. The world is increasingly turning their back on the United States and its uh, banking, uh, oil corporation, military industrial complex uh, promoters. And uh, this whole idea of a multipolar world where we, we won't have a king of the hill anymore, it won't be Washington standing up on top of the hill, waving its flag, but that we'll have this multipolar world where Russia and China and Iran and India and Brazil and Argentina and Venezuela and you know many 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 other, everybody around the world has a stake in in what's going on. Uh, the United States doesn't want that. Doesn't want that kind of world. It wants to remain in control. And so the question is, will the U.S. in its desperation use nuclear weapons? Well, the United States already has <clears throat> nuclear weapons deployed throughout Europe in several countries. And uh, it's just a matter of whether or not they'll use them. So Russia has said that if there was a, uh, an attempt by the United States to use nuclear weapons, that they would return fire at, at the capitals uh, of those countries involved. So that means London, Brussels, where the NATO is headquartered, uh, Berlin, as well as Washington. Uh, and so uh, Russia would not hesitate at that point. But Russia has a no first use policy of nuclear weapons, something the United States will not uh, agree to uh, have. Uh, so I think that, uh, you know, we can only hope that, that, that the United States doesn't get so desperate, but it really is left not to wonder about what Russia is going to do. The real question is, what are the American people going to do in the interim? Are we going to speak out? Are we going to demand that the United States doesn't use nuclear weapons? Are we going to demand that our country stops fueling this war with this like $40 billion shrink-wrapped $40 billion that the United States Congress has just appropriated to extend the war? You know, the uh, Rand Corporation in 2019 came out with a study. You can find it online. It's called Overextending and Unbalancing Russia. And in this study, they say that Ukraine will be used as a hammer to destabilize Russia. They want regime change in Moscow. The United States has repeatedly in the last month or two uh, said this. Biden himself has said he wants regime change in Moscow. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer took a delegation of Democrats over to Kiev shaking uh, Zelensky's, oh, excuse me, I can't say Zelensky, I can't use the Z because Zelensky has asked the world no longer to allow the word, the, the letter Z to be used. So I should call him Ilinsky. Why does he not want the Z used? Because the Russians on their tanks have the letter Z. Oh, for God's sake. And so he's, okay. got, he's got several countries around the world saying you're no longer allowed to use the Z in, in this country. So... Uh, Anyway, so people, a lot of okay. people are calling him Alinsky now. But anyway, uh, 
I kind of forgot where I was going with that. Sorry, I got sidetracked because that was a really interesting little tidbit. But you were talking about how they want to do regime change and the yeah. Rand Corporation, and they're very dedicated to it. And it's a one party system here. Both sides want to do it. They gave $40 billion. But the sad part is, is the Russians can totally destroy Ukraine. They're holding back. And so basically, they're just using Ukraine and the Ukrainian soldiers. And they don't care how many people die to be able to uh, achieve this agenda. Just give yeah, them the right Donbass there. region. Who cares? And get rid of your your bioweapons that are completely unethical and moral anyways. And uh, go with the agreements of backing away from Russia so that we have a buffer zone. Well, you know, it, uh, the U.S. has uh, built two missile launch facilities in Poland and Romania that can fire first strike attack, nuclear capable Tomahawk cruise missiles into Russia in a matter of minutes. Now, this is a Cuban missile crisis in reverse. Yes. That along with NATO expansion, that's come right up to the Russian borders, along with constant war games right on Russia's doorstep. And so all Russia has been asking for for the last 20 years is stop the NATO expansion, give us security agreements, stop the war games on our border, and we'll be fine. But when uh, Putin in 2007, he went to the Munich Security Conference and sitting in the audience were Joe Lieberman and John McCain, and he was, Putin was making this very plea to the Western leaders, and they were smirking at him this self-satisfied smirk. Oh, God. Yeah. And, you know, the, the West has never taken seriously any of Russia's uh, requests. But we have to ask ourselves, what's really driving all of this? Exactly. I'm convinced it's climate change. Russia has the largest border in the world with the Arctic. Russia has the greatest resource base of any country in the world. And don't we know by now that all of uh, US wars are about resource extraction, resource control? And so this is what's driving this. And the reason why they want to overextend and unbalance Russia, <clears throat> they want to do to Russia what the US and NATO did to Yugoslavia in 1999 during Bill Clinton's time in office. They broke that last, uh, one of the last remaining uh, communist countries into pieces, into separate countries, balkanized it. And that's what they want to do to Russia, break up Russia into smaller constituent countries so that the Western resource extraction corporations can take control of Russia's vast resource base. And don't you think that the global warming or climate change is an excuse it's their method of taking over resources. It's their method of taking over the banking system, the World Economic Forum. It's a globalist plot because if they really cared about the environment, I mean, the priorities are all wrong. You'd be focusing on pollution. You'd be focusing on uh, you know, the animal species being in balance. You wouldn't be focusing on carbon or you'd be planting trees because carbon is plant food. So, and you'd also be honest about the science in the sense that all these planets are warming up too. So you'd be communicating with what's really going on. And you'd also talk about the fact that 
we might be going into a mini ice age because of where the earth is in relation to the sun. I mean, you've got to look at science at a bigger level. Yeah, you'd also be talking about the weather modifications that are going on with Harvard and all these, what are they putting into our skies? I mean, it's it, they're not talking about the real priorities. They're just talking about carbon. And it seems that it's out, the priorities are completely out of alignment to really care about the environment. Well, I generally agree with you. Um, they, they don't give a damn about the environment. They don't give a damn about the people of Ukraine. They don't give a damn about the people in the United States. If they did, they wouldn't be driving our country into the wall the way they are today. Absolutely. You know, we have people that can't afford to go to the doctor. And so imagine how that $40 billion <clears throat> that Congress just appropriated to go to Ukraine could be used here in this country to alleviate many of our problems. You know, the, the reason why we didn't get Medicare for all, we can't even have a, a debate and a vote on Medicare for all in the Congress is because they say, the politicians say that we can't afford it. Well, my God, uh, but we can afford $40 billion shrink wrap money to be put on pallets and taken to uh, Ukraine and handed out to corrupt politicians and other people like that. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. So, so in the end, the American people need to wake up. But I want to get back to the, um, the Arctic in, in Russia just yes. for one, one yes. point. On the day that this war began, February 24th, Russia had uh, received intelligence that the U.S. was encouraging Ukraine to do a full onslaught of the Donbass, the region, the Russian ethnic region of Ukraine right along the Russian border that has been shelled uh, by the Nazi-led Ukrainian army since 2014, 14,000 killed, 34,000 injured. Russia has been trying through various diplomatic measures over the last eight years since the U.S. orchestrated coup in 2014. Russia's been trying everything they can do diplomatically to resolve the situation. No respect, no real negotiations from the West. So Russia received intelligence that the 180,000 troops of the Ukrainian army were going to do this full onslaught. And so they preempted that with their own attack. But on that same day of February 24th, the US and NATO began a war game up in the Arctic on the Norway-Russia border called Cold Response, where they were practicing an Arctic war with mm -hmm. Russia. So this whole thing has been under development for a very, very long time. And the problem is the American people don't know a damn thing about any of it. Instead, all they know is wave your uh, Ukrainian flag, uh, think that uh, Zelensky, the actor, is the second coming of Christ, and, uh, and allow us to take your tax dollars and give them away to the war machine. Well, and it's a big money scam, right? I had a whistleblower on that had, that represented a bank system in Latvia, and that bank system in 2016, that's where they funneled the entire treasury of Ukraine. They left it down to less than $50. And he was trying to get the uh, central banks to, to do something and to make, 
and they just covered it up. So it's um, it's a big money scam. How much of this 40 billion is going to be funneled out? How much of it is actually real? And there's all of this is so corrupt that I don't believe anything that they're telling us. And I agree that when I saw, I was horrified when I saw people waving the Ukrainian flags and just clueless. The CIA, like you said, it's been a long training exercise. The CIA was training Ukrainian soldiers back in 2014 on how to kill Russians. Yeah, I know that for a fact because a friend of mine, his son is in the U US Army Special Forces. And at that time, 2014, 2015, after the coup, uh, his unit from Fort Carson, Colorado was sent to Western Ukraine, the area where the Nazis predominate, to a base that the US and NATO had established. And they were training these Nazis, bringing them in, created a new uh, special forces unit that they'd never had before, put nice clean uh, uh, uniforms on them to cover up all their Nazi tattoos all over their body. And then, and then they sent them off to Eastern Ukraine to attack the Donbass to try to kill as many Russian ethnic people as they could in a real genocide. And I asked my friends in the peace movement who are carrying these uh, Ukrainian flags, I say, how come you never said anything since 2014 about the coup? Or how come you never said anything about all these, these 14,000 killed and 34,000 injured in the Donbass? How come you've never expressed any deep concern about them? Never a word. Not a mumbling word did you ever. What do they say? Deer in the headlights? Yeah, yeah, deer, absolutely. Yeah, I know, yeah. They don't say much of anything. Well, it's the same say, response. They, they say ahead. to me, Bruce, war is not the answer. It's never the answer. But it was the answer for the last eight years. Nobody ever complained about it then, so. Yeah, they were doing it over, the, what do you call the 14,000 people that were killed? That's war, just they didn't put the label on it. So. What I saw with COVID is the same thing where the people were all pro-vaccine, but they were um, anti-Big Pharma. I mean, I don't know how any of that stuff works. <laughs> same deer in the headlights. But okay, I, I have to ask you, what about the United States being systematically destroyed from the inside by these politicians, yet we are fighting to, like you were saying, if the United States feels like they're going to fail as an empire, they're going to use nuclear weapons, but they're destroying us on purpose, it seems. So how do you, I, I think it's a globalist, more of a bigger picture plot than just the U.S., because it doesn't make sense that it's all U.S. behind it while they're destroying us internally. I think the word globalist is the key. So I yeah. think you really have nailed it. Uh, let me tell you a story that for me, help me understand this, this bigger picture that we're facing. In 2003, soon after the shock and awe in Iraq, I was watching C-SPAN one night and they introduced the speaker before a very large audience in Washington. Thomas Barnett, then an instructor at the Naval War College, had just written a book called Pentagon's New Map. And they said in the audience are top CIA brass, uh, and uh, top uh, military brass. And basically his message was, if you wanna get promoted in the years ahead, everything I tell you tonight, you have to swallow basically and then pass it on to those below you. And what he said is, we're not gonna do treaties anymore because treaties 
uh, restrict our ability to dominate full spectrum dominance, U.S. domination at every level, the land with our army, the sea with our navy, the air above the uh, above us, the air force, and now space technology with the space force. And he said, uh, we're going to not have jobs anymore in America, building things, making things, because it's cheaper to make shoes and refrigerators and cars and cell phones and clothes overseas with cheaper labor. So the corporations are going to go overseas. Our job in America will be security export, he said. And uh, we're never coming home. It's, he called it Leviathan. We will go into parts of the world that are not yet submitting to the authority of the United States and Western banking system, and we'll take control of that. That will be Leviathan, this unstoppable military force. And after that, we'll send in our systems administration people to run the country, and they will never come home. And so this is really uh, the globalist prescription for the future. So for the working class and poor kids in rural America or people in the cities all across the land, the only future they really have then is to uh, go in the military, to go and kill people on behalf, not of freedom and democracy, but on behalf of the globalists, the corporate interests. You know, Benito Mussolini, Italy's fascist leader during uh, World War II, said that uh, the, the uh, definition of fascism was the wedding, the wedding of corporations and government, the melding together of that. Yeah. And yeah. That's, what, that's what we have today in the United States and through much of the West. The US has ensured that much of Europe is controlled by these, these same uh, fascist forces. And that's why uh, their war, on Russia and China, two countries willing to stand up to the globalists, their war is so important to them. And that's why they have to spend every penny they can to try to destabilize, surround, take down, not only with weapons of mass destruction, but now also we're finding out these biological agents as well. Yeah, and you have to look at their actions. You can't look at what they're saying. I do think that when you start bringing in the city of London and the World Economic Forum, and the World Economic Forum is, has infiltrated so many city or state national governments, I think that the United States is used as a front, so everybody hates on us, but a lot of the power brokers are in the city of London and the World Economic Forum and this whole globalist structure. They're just using us as part of their pawns, just like they're using Ukraine as you know, as a pawn against Russia. One thing that uh, that Klaus Schwab said in his reset book is he said that he wants to move the power base to China because the people of China are really submissive. Now, it doesn't, I've, I've been really struggling with that because it doesn't make sense in this, that us surrounding with bioweapons and us fighting China and Russia, if Klaus Schwab is really intending to move the power base to China. Have you thought about that at all? I have. <clears throat> uh, I was distressed to see China become basically a, a capitalist, a state capitalist uh, country, state controlled capitalism. But I must say that I have been impressed <clears throat> that China is doing two basic things. 
Uh, number one, they've virtually alleviated poverty in that country that has a vast, vast population. So they've shown that they're using the resources. This is not to say they don't have some billionaires there, I'm sure they do, but they're using the vast amount of resources of the country to really take care of the people. That's not anything that I've seen other capitalist countries do, although Russia is doing a lot of that, but I don't think they've <clears throat> done nearly as much as China has. And the other thing China is doing is they're the world's leader in solar technology. They're, the, they're planting more trees than any other country in the world. Uh, so they are taking seriously uh, the, uh, the need to try to protect the environment and deal with climate change. So uh, I think though that uh, like, like they always do, the globalists always have a design, they always have a plan to try to take over any country that uh, stands in their way. And in the case of both Russia and China, they have a plan and they're, gonna, they're now implementing that plan. Uh, I'm not sure they're gonna be successful, but the, the, the real question is, are they willing to take it to nuclear war out of their desperation. Yeah, that's a good question. And whether, the, you know, <laughs> they'll have the support. But my, what I've come to the conclusion is, is that China, especially China, I don't know about Russia. I haven't done as much research into Russia. I think they're more unified. But China is a little bit more infiltrated and that they have the same things going on there that we have here where we have groups that are fighting the globalists and we have groups that are part that are in line with the globalists. And then we have globalists fighting globalists. And I think China is that. And cause you see their behaviors don't always make sense. Sometimes they're for the globalists, sometimes they're against the globalists. So it seems that they're having internal struggles just like we are. Well, <clears throat> I don't know enough about China and I don't wanna pretend that I'm an expert about China, but uh, my, my own gut feeling about it is that they're really clear about, about the globalists. Don't forget that the, the two opium wars that China suffered from <clears throat> were led by Great Britain. And they really have a clear, clear understanding of the evils of the West. Uh, but they have to be careful. They have to uh, build up their strength you know, Russia, people ask, why didn't Russia <clears throat> attack the Donbass right after the coup in 2014 when the Nazis were sent by the United States and NATO to Eastern Ukraine to attack the, uh, the Russian ethnic people? That's a real legitimate question uh, that I've asked myself. But the answer that I heard made a lot of sense is Russia didn't have the capability at that time to stand up to the West the way they do today. And I think China's been in the same situation. We're talking about China being totally surrounded with US bases in Japan, Okinawa, South Korea, Australia, New Zealand. I mean, you know, uh, all over the Guam, you know, completely, completely surrounded. Um, even Mongolia, frankly, uh, the US is, uh, and NATO have gotten into Mongolia. So. China has had to kind of buy their time. So in some ways, you have to kind of play along while you're building up your own defensive capabilities and everything else. So I, th I think that's the story generally. Um, I hope you're right. 
you know, because I, 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 I keep going back and forth. It's like I tentatively will, you know, dip my toes in the water. I don't want to be naive, but I really hope that's right. But, you know, because that means there's sanity over there. We should be fighting it here. We're just so infiltrated. The media is so all-encompassing and controlling that the people don't understand. They really see them as enemies that we should be fighting. And I really hope there's an opposite story here. But I want to talk a little bit about tactical nukes. There is evidence that there has been tactical nukes used in Syria and other places in the Middle East. I've heard from different researchers. Have you heard that? And then is that and something that could be reasonably used instead of these big, huge weapon, nuclear weapons that take out whole cities? Maybe they are tactical nukes that can take out neighborhoods. I mean, it's still really bad, but you know, is that something that could happen? Uh, I've never heard that about Syria. Uh, I, I would be skeptical about that claim just because I think that it's fairly easy to monitor. Uh, there's going to be radiation. There's going to be explosions beyond uh, what anybody has seen before. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical about that. But I will say that on the other part of the, your question, you are right that the United States uh, military is often talking about using tactical nuclear weapons, in this case against Russia, and uh, saying that uh, nuclear weapons would be survivable if we used tactical nuclear weapons. And don't forget that when uh, uh, Trump was president, he pulled the US out of the INF treaty with Russia, the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty. And these are, this was a treaty that was signed in 1987 that banned both Russian and US tactical nuclear weapons in Europe. Both countries had them at the time. And so they had to pull them out uh, with that INF treaty, but the US pulled out of that treaty. And again, it goes back to what Thomas Barnett said when I saw him on C-SPAN, we're not gonna do treaties anymore because they limit our ability for full spectrum dominance, for total control. And so clearly the United States is today upgrading its tactical nuclear weapons that it has stationed in Germany, Belgium, the Netherlands, uh, Turkey, and Italy. Uh, and uh, so, uh, you know, that's, that's a real deal. Well, so and if they, if they use it, against them a name take out some neighborhoods and do some strategic advances with tactical nukes it could escalate very quickly yeah well and that's what russia has said it, basically russia is saying if you use tactical nuclear weapons against us we're going to respond with nuclear weapons like and, big ones yeah and that we're going to take out your command centers your capitals the, the way Russia says is we're going to take out your decision making. We're going to take out the places that have made that decision to use those tactical nuclear weapons. And again, that means Washington, London, uh, NATO headquarters in Brussels, uh, uh, Ramstein Air Force Base in uh, Germany, which is the uh, central uh, uh, controlling uh, Air Force Base of the United States for Europe. So uh, it, it, it runs the whole show and even runs uh, as far away as Africa, Africa Command. It's basically headquartered also out of that same base in Germany. So 
Uh, Russia's been clear about it. We don't want it to go this far. We're not looking for trouble. But if you're going to uh, uh, use them on us, uh, in fact, I've heard Putin say repeatedly, what kind of world would it be without Russia? And, uh, you know, that's their position. And they don't, and, and Russia doesn't, Russia doesn't bluff, by the way, they, they don't bluff. Well, okay. Well, now, if we are spending 40 billion on Ukraine and our goal is to destabilize Russia and take them out and we don't care about killing Russians, what would end up ultimately being the difference at some point our other strategies will cause Russia to pull the trigger and say hell with this as well. I mean, how far can we push Russia before they might use attack? They, they have a no first uh, rule, so they won't use a, a nuclear weapon first, they claim. Do you think they would ever violate their own rules then if we just keep destroying them in other ways? Well, I think uh, th there's basically one other time that Russia has said that they would consider using nuclear weapons. And that's if it was clear that, that Russia was under full attack by NATO. So let's say that the US and NATO uh, make the really crazy decision to do a full onslaught attack of uh, Russia, uh, attacking them from every direction possible. I don't think it's likely that they would do that because uh, the globalists, uh, they, um, I don't think they want to die in a, a nuclear war either. Um, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, well, so it depends on if they got this elusive, this because they're weird occultists at the highest level. So you can't really rationalize where they're at because the rest, of, I've been learning this through interviews and doing research of what their actual religion is. They're really weird occultists and they use blackmail and all these things. So they're very hard to pin down on what, they're, they're not like you and me. They're not like an average human on how we make decisions. Yeah, I understand that. I, and I generally agree with you. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's an open question. And that's why I keep saying it. it's really, uh, up in their hands. And that's why it's incumbent upon the people of America, the people of Europe to speak up now while we still can to be out on the streets. When I finish this interview, I'm going downtown uh, Brunswick where I live here in Maine and uh, holding a sign that says no war with Russia, stop NATO uh, with about half a dozen other people uh, at the busiest part of town during the lunch hour rush. And uh, you know, we've, we've got to get out there. And because what we're finding uh, throughout this whole time, I, I was really kind of surprised. We've been doing this since the war started in late February, uh, every week. And uh, I expected there just to be this onslaught of negativity aimed at us by the people going by. And it hasn't been the case at all. Uh, there's been a really strong and very steady uh, support for our message. And recent polls are showing that uh, 60 some percent of the American people don't want this money to be sent to Russia. Yeah. They, people fear that it might lead to a nuclear war. People are not stupid. They might not know everything. They might not know, well, we know they don't know uh, what's really going on in many respects. 
but they're not, ultimately, they're not stupid. They've been around the block a few times. Uh, they saw Afghanistan 20 years that bled us financially. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, people have a gut feeling about it uh, that, uh, and when they see other people out on the street, they, they develop more confidence. They start, to, and I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one that thinks that way. And uh, maybe I can speak up at the family dinner. Maybe I can say something to my friends. Maybe I can share an email uh, or uh, something on uh, a Facebook or whatever, you know. Uh, so I think that's what we have to do. We have to help people find courage because it's going to take courage from all of us, literally, to protect the future generations from this uh, insanity that we're facing today. Absolutely. I think the people who are against it are the ones who are thinking critically and listening to journalists on the ground and, and people are telling them the truth. And the ones who are brainwashed by the mainstream media are the ones that are still following. And it, it, it has nothing to do with left-right politics. It has to do with whether you believe the corporate media or are sucked into their, they make it seem like everyone supports this. And if you don't support this, you are not a patriot. You're a bad person. <laughs> you know, that's what it makes. And, and you can't get sucked into this because it's, that's not what this is about. So I agree with you hundred percent. Now, before we leave, cause I know you have to go to this, this important event you're doing with your, your people on the street corner. I think those things are important. What do you think the American people need to hear um, before we end this, this interview? Well, uh, they need to hear that the Democrats are not our saviors, uh, that the Democrats who have long positioned themselves publicly as peace, the peace party, you know, the anti-war party, but they've shown repeatedly that they're liars and sellouts. I remember during the Obama administration, the Washington Post ran a poll where they talked to self-identified liberal Democrats. And they asked them, do you support Obama's drone program in Afghanistan and other parts of the Middle East and Africa? And 70% of self-identified liberal Democrats said, yes, I do. Now, I can promise you that if that had been George W. Bush or Donald Trump as president and the Washington Post asked self-identified liberal Democrats, do you support a Bush or Trump drone program, they would have said by 70% or more, no, I don't, not at all, stop it. Uh, but uh, so a lot of these so-called peaceniks out there, and I've been one since I was in the Air Force during the Vietnam War, that's where I became a peace activist. Uh, a lot of these people, I've got a lot of experience now, uh, and I worked in the peace movement full time for 35 years. So uh, a lot of these folks are Democrats first, they're party people first. And we've seen it when Clinton was president and he invaded uh, U.S. and NATO invaded and took down Yugoslavia. I was organizing in Orlando, Florida, tried to organize demonstrations against that war, and I couldn't get anybody to come because they were all Democrats and they didn't want to speak out against their president. And so yep. today, today we see the Democrats voted unanimously, the Democratic Party unanimously in the House and in the Senate 
for this $40 billion shrink wrapped um, money laundering uh, program. Uh, it was just a handful of, a couple handfuls of Republicans voted against it. So uh, it's really kind of crazy. Uh, ultimately, both parties are the war parties. Both parties are controlled by uh, Wall Street and the military industrial complex. Uh, both parties are funded uh, through the donations of Wall Street and the military industrial complex. So the most important thing I think the American people need to do is to wake up, smell the coffee and recognize that our future is not dependent on either one of these two parties, but our, our future is dependent on each other. Yes. But we've got to stop arguing with each other, stop blaming each other. This is the strategy of the ruling elite is to pit the people against each other, divide and conquer, black against white, rural against urban, old against young, you name it. And we can't fall for these tricks. And we always seem to do that. So we need to wake up, recognize who the real enemy is. The enemy is the global elite, the rich bastards, the people that are controlling the banks, controlling every part of our lives and who are uh, sacrificing us by the legions around the world to, so they can stay in power. I think that's the most important message that I could ever give to anybody. I agree with you hundred percent. I try to have been making that that plea as well, because classical, liberal, conservative, whatever, this we need to unite because the problems at, at hand are much bigger than these daily political fights that we have. I mean, this is our basic freedom and ability to survive. We, if we can't unite over this, I don't know what else we could unite. On. But they do, they do a really good game, the media with the media and and brainwashing people. But uh, I appreciate it so much that you came on the show. You are a legend. Where can people read more? They need to be following you, reading your, your articles. And you have so much information, which is so great. Well, thank you, uh, Sarah, for your kind words. I would uh, suggest two websites. One is uh, the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space. Our website is spaceforpeace.org spaceforpeace.org. And then also I do a daily blog. It's kind of like my organizing diary. It's called Organizing Notes, N-O-T-E-S, Organizing Notes. And uh, I hope you would, in the uh, description of this video, put the links to both of those two. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Have a great event. And I hope to have you back in the future. All right, Sarah, you take care and keep up your good work too. Thank you. Bye-bye.